you know that I don't have anything of value to say, but your Holy Spirit could use me tonight to be an encouragement uh, to me. Uh, teach and preach, Lord, your word. And Father, I ask that you would please help me uh, as we attempt to minister your word tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Joshua chapter number 13. And if you remember last week, we dealt with Joshua chapter number 12. And remember, we dealt with that first verse in 13. And we're talking about how chapter 12 and verse 13 are in the same context. In chapter 12, they go over a list of all the 31 kingdoms that they took over, the 31 kings that they killed, and all the properties that they had. And then in verse 1, God says, yeah, but you know what? There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. And we talked about that last week. Now the rest of the chapter, as you go through, is just God giving them a list of those lands that still remain, that God expected them to take. And you know, you may ask yourself, why why do you read that entire chapter? You know, well, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, number one. Number two, you're not going to read it at home, so you might as well read it here, you know. But I would encourage you, don't skip these chapters, you know, just because you're going through the Bible. If for nothing else, just to be able to say you've read the entire Bible, cover to cover, I'd read those chapters. And you know, as I'm reading them, you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, you think, Pastor, you shouldn't read those chapters. Good night. You you uh, mispronounce every single one. The, the truth of the matter is, you don't know how those names are supposed to be pronounced either, okay? So, I figure just just pick something and go with it, you know what I mean? Because um, you don't know what the, how they're supposed to go, but let me tell you something. The Word of God is good. And I'll be honest with you, we've been, we've been preaching through the book of Joshua and going through it, And uh, but tonight we're not going to spend a lot of time in Joshua. We're going to start Joshua. We're going to end in Joshua. You'll know when we're done because we come back to Joshua, okay? But in this whole chapter, though, if you would have just skipped this chapter and you would have, you know, made, you know, got back, you know, got away from all those names and stuff, you would miss one unique verse other than the first verse, which we talked about last week, but you would have missed one unique verse in the entire chapter, and that's found in verse number 22. Look at what it says, verse 22. The Bible says, Balaam also... The son of Beor, the soothsayer, did the children of Israel slay with the sword among, uh, among them that were slain by them. And it kind of seems like just randomly this verse is thrown in about this man, Balaam. But you know, the Bible actually talks a lot about Balaam. And tonight, I want to, uh, you know, I guess... We're not really taking a break from Joshua because we're, we're starting in Joshua. We're going to take a little bit of a break from Joshua. And I want to just teach you and, and preach to you on the, the life of Balaam and just uh, three quick uh, points tonight in regards to Balaam's sin and the, the sins of Balaam. Now, most of the, 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 there's a lot of references in the New Testament that deal with Balaam. Most of the story of Balaam is found in the book of Numbers. So if you, you, know, if you want to keep your place there in Joshua, that's fine. Like I said, we're going to come back to it. But go to Numbers uh, there in your Old Testament. You're going towards the left in your Old Testament. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then you've got the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter number 22. And the the main chapters that deal with the story of Balaam begin at chapter 22 and uh, go through uh, chapter 22. And then a little bit, uh, chapter 25, it, it, it mentions him a, a few other places in Numbers and Joshua and stuff like that. But the main, you know, where you find the bulk of the story of Balaam is found in Numbers 22. And I want to just talk to you tonight about the sins of Balaam and the, the, the things, the mistakes that Balaam did. Very, very interesting story there in Numbers 22. If you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, And that, and the children of Israel set forward and pitched, pinched, I'm sorry, good night, pitched in the plains 
of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. So you need to understand, Moses is the leader at this time. And he's leading the children of Israel. They're going through the wilderness. And, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't go into the promised land, but they are winning some battles and they're gaining some ground there on the other side of Jordan. And they're, they're camped there on the plains of Moab. And you got to understand, Moab was a nation that was not friendly to Israel. And uh, it, it, you may remember the story of Lot when uh, he, you know, he had that uh, sin with his daughters where they had incest there. And one of the grandchildren that came from that sin was, uh, was the man who was the leader of the nation or he was the one who uh, the nation of Moab came from. And Moab was an enemy of Israel. And the Bible says here that when the children of Israel came, they encamped in the plains of Moab. Look at verse 2. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So you have another uh, nation that the children of Israel had, had destroyed. They had been in a war. And uh, you got this man, Balak, okay? Remember the name Balak? He's important in the story. Balak saw what the children of Israel did to the Amorites, verse 3. And Moab, talking about the city... Uh, the nation of Moab. It says, And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. So they saw what the children of Israel had done to this other nation, and then they come and they're encamped in the plains of Moab, and they're afraid that, man, are they going to come against us? Are they going to come destroy us? Are they going to come hurt us? Look at verse 4. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are around about us, as the ox licks the uh, the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at this time. So now you see who Balak was. He was the king of the Moabites. He's worried that the children of Israel are going to come and destroy the Moabites. Uh, Look at verse uh, 5. Well, actually, keep, let's keep reading four. And Moab said unto the, the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam. Alright, so now we're introduced to this man, Balaam. So, I want you to get the context of the story. Balak is the king of Moab, and he sends messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, notice what he said, he said, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt, this is the children of Israel, Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Verse 6, Notice what Balak says to Balaam. He says, Come now therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot uh, what he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou curses is cursed. So, Balaam has a reputation of being a guy that if he blessed you, you were blessed, and if he cursed you, you were cursed. So Balak says, hey, Balaam, why don't you come over here, and I want you to curse these people. Now the people he's referring to is the children of Israel, God's people. And he says, well, you come and curse these people so that there's a curse upon them, so that, so that we can go ahead and destroy them so that they won't be blessed. Look at verse 7. 
And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And I'd like you to see, and and point number one is this. You know, we're going to go through the story, but I want you to know. I'm going to give you three reasons, and we're going to go through this quickly, okay? I I preached for, for like, I think it was an hour and seven minutes this morning, okay? So I owe you seven minutes. And, uh, And then we got cake and ice cream. And the cake's getting cold, so we got to go through this quickly. All right? Can you say? Can you say something's getting cold when it's in the refrigerator? You know, that doesn't make sense, right? Okay. Well, let's just go through this. Number one, I want you to see Balaam's mind was wrong. Balaam's mind was wrong. Look at verse eight. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night. This was Balaam speaking. He said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again. As the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. So Balaam says to the messengers, he says, you stay here tonight, I'm going to go talk to God about this, and I'll let you know what God says. Look at verse 9. And God came unto Balaam and said, what men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them, and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, notice what God says, Thou shalt not go with them. Okay, is that pretty clear that God does not want them to go? He said, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the prince of the Balaam, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. So that, up to this point, is pretty good, right? I mean, Balaam goes to God, he says, God, do you want me to go with these men? God says, you will not go with them. He says, you will not curse my people. So Balaam goes and says, hey, God said no, so go home. Verse 13. I'm sorry, 14. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak, Balak's the king of Moab, and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. So he sends people that are even more respectable. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. Now look, that nothing that they're referring to is God. Because who said don't go? God did. And they said, hey look, don't let anything keep you from coming with us. Don't let, no- let nothing hinder you from coming unto me. Verse 17. For I will promote thee unto very great honor. He says, look, I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a raise. I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. Look at verse 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. Now up to this this place, Balaam seems like he's a pretty good guy. He's like, look, I don't care what you offer me. I can't go against the word of God. But notice verse 19. He says, now therefore, I pray you, tarry ye here also, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me. Now look, Balaam already knows what the Lord said unto him. The Lord has already told him what he thinks. You understand what I'm saying? But Balaam says, well, here, you stay here and let me ask God again. Okay? Now he just said to them, I can't go against the word of God. But let me go ahead and ask him again. Look at verse 20. And God came unto Balaam. Now here, this is very interesting, okay? Because I grew up, I've been an independent fundamental Baptist my entire life. I've read this story 
hundreds of times. And when I was growing up, this would always confuse me. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of preachers and listened to a lot of preaching. And, I mean, there are so many theories as to what's going on in this passage. I mean, uh, there are tons of... Somebody said, if you get three Baptists, you'll get four opinions. Okay? You, and that's the truth right there. And, you know, there's so many theories in regards to what's happening here. But I, but I want you to see this, verse 20. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him... Notice what God says. If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee... That shalt thou do. And Balaam, so it sounds like God gives him permission to go, right? And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. Now notice verse 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went. Now at first you've got to think to yourself, well why is God upset? God just told him to go. You know, and I have my theories, you know, I like, one of the things I like about preaching is that uh, you you become friends with some pastors, and I don't have a lot of pastor friends, but, you know, uh, my good friends that are pastors are Pastor Mark Lewis, Fellowship Baptist Church, and Pastor uh, Stephen Anderson from Faithful Word Baptist Church, and oftentimes we'll be talking, you know, and uh, with either one of them, and this afternoon I was talking with Pastor Lewis, and a lot of times we'll be talking about, hey, what are you preaching tonight? You know, I'll tell them, hey, I'm preaching out of Numbers 22, what are you preaching tonight? And And we'll talk about those passages, and I was wanting to get his advice say, you know, uh, and tell him, you know, uh, this is what I think is going on. What do you think is going on? I accidentally sent that text message to Brother Vincent. And Brother Vincent texted me back, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> That's not much help. <laughs> you know, but, so, but, but that text wasn't meant for Brother Vincent. That's good, amen. I'm like, Brother Vincent! No, I, I, that's why we have men's preaching that. I'm trying to get ideas from these guys, you know what I mean? Now here's the thing, look at verse 20. And God came unto Balaam at night, and said unto him. Now notice what God says. If the men come, and, and I'm going to tell you what I think about this, and I'm not dogmatic on it, because there's, so, there's a lot of different things. But here's what I think happened. Look what the Bible says. This is what God said. If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. So God says, if they call you, then rise up and go with them. But, uh, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, shall, uh, uh, that shalt thou do. Look at verse 21. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. Now, did God say, get up in the morning and go with them? What did God say? He said, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But they never called. They were there, but they never called. But he said, okay, let's go, guys. You know, and the, I heard somebody tell a story, and it's kind of the, a, a similar illustration. I, I heard of a, a, an old preacher. We've been preaching at a church for many, many years. And, you know, his church had never really grown. It was a real small church. And the church never paid him a salary. They never gave him health care. They never gave him benefits. You know, he just struggled with this small church his whole life, you know. And one day, he gets a call from this big church in another state. And they said, hey, we, we need a pastor. Our pastor died, and we'd like to hire you to be our pastor. And we're going to give you, you know, this much salary. And we're going to give you benefits. And we're going to give you a, a car. And we're going to give you a parsonage. And, you know, the pastor gets off the phone, and he says, honey, go upstairs and start packing while I pray about this. All right? You know, he's like, oh, he's already made up his mind. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to pray, okay, but you go pack, okay? And that's really what Balaam is doing. He says, hey, listen, stay right here. Let me go ask God about this. But don't unpack because we're leaving in the morning. That's pretty much what he's doing. And see, his mind was wrong. His, his, what he was doing, now here's the, look at what the Bible says, look at verse 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. 
And you know, what you need to understand here, well, let's keep reading, look at verse 23. This is a very interesting story in the Bible. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. Okay, so now you've got Balaam riding on an ass, or a mule, or donkey, going down the road, and here's the angel of the Lord, which some believe to be the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That may or not be true, and, you know, really doesn't make a difference. But you've got the angel of the Lord here. He's got his sword drawn, and he's just ready to smite Balaam as he, walked, as he passes by. Look what it says. Verse 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass, notice, the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote. That means he hit the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyard, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. So you got to understand, they're going down the road, okay? And they get to the place where there's a little, there's a road and there's a wall on this side, there's a wall on this side, they're coming this way, the angel of the Lord is standing on the other side, and he's just sitting there with a sword drawn, and he's just ready to kill Balaam as he goes by. And this donkey sees the angel. And he says, we're not going there, <laughs> you know. And he goes off into the field. Balaam gets mad starts to hit the donkey. Verse 23. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself, so she threw herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. You're at an animal that's just not doing what you want to do. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord went further and stirred in the narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw that the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. So she just said, you know what, we're going we're to shut this thing down right now. The ass just fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with a staff. So he takes a staff and he begins to just beat this donkey. And <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? Verse 28. I think it was one of the most interesting stories in the Bible. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. The donkey began to talk. Isn't that interesting? And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? Now I want you to make note of what the ass says. She says, Thou hast smitten me these three times. Now I don't know about you, but if I was beating, you know, my donkey, (laughs) or whatever, and it all of a sudden opens his mouth and starts talking to me, first thing I'm going to say is, this donkey can talk, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, whoa, we're going, forget, forget Balak, let's go to the circus, you know, we're going to make some money off this. But it's interesting, you know, he's so upset. Look, look at verse 29. And Balaam said unto the ass, he's just having a conversation with the donkey, doesn't even question it. Because thou hast mocked me, I would, I, I, I would, there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. He's just mad, he's so mad, he doesn't even realize he's talking to a donkey. I mean, I've never talked to an animal. I know some of you have. <laughs> but you got saved out of that Pentecostal nonsense. You know what I mean? Verse 3. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was, uh, I was thine own this day? 
Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, nay. The, the donkey saying, look, have I ever done this before? Have I ever not, you know, just done whatever you wanted me to do? Verse 31, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Verse 32, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Notice what the angel says, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. Now, it's interesting, and just make note of this. Look at verse 32 again. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou, make note of these words, smitten thine ass three times. Okay? So the angel asked, Why have you smitten thine ass three times? Go back to verse number 28. Remember when the ass began to speak? Look at verse 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me three times? You see that? It's very interesting to me, that the angel of the Lord says the same thing that the donkey said. The donkey said, Why have you hit and smitten me three times? And the angel of the Lord says, Why did you smite him three times? You know, what we can gather from that is this. The fact that the angel Lord said the same thing that the, ass, that the donkey said, shows that God was using that donkey to speak His word to Balaam. And you know, you would be surprised who God uses to speak His word to you. And in our lives, you know, you might, you know, they, you, you might not think much of Pastor Jimenez. You might not think more of me than just some donkey up here. You know what I mean? But hey, even God, God can even use a donkey to speak to you. And it's funny because they said the same thing. They're like, why are you beating him? He's trying to help you. Now here's what's interesting. Look at verse 32. And the angel Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass three times? Behold, notice, I went out. So this is the angel Lord. He said, I went out to withstand thee. Here's why. Because thy way is perverse before me. You see that word perverse there? Now when we think of the word perverse, we might associate that with some connotations that maybe uh, like a pervert or something like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you know, the Bible, I, I often say this to people, the, we must allow the Bible to be our dictionary. Okay? The, you should let the Bible define itself. Because when the Bible, the Bible says there that his way was perverse, okay? We might take that to be like, oh, this is talking about something. But you know, the best way to just let the Bible define itself, if I want to know what the word perverse means in the Bible, you know what the best thing to do? is just to look up every reference that the Bible uses the word perverse. And let the Bible define itself. Now look, you can, you can go to these passages if you want, but I just want to read them quickly. Let me read for you. I'm not going to read all of them to you. There's, I think there's 20 verses in the entire Bible that use the word perverse. But let me just read some of them for you, and maybe you can see if we can, if we can figure out what the word uh, perverse means. Because here's the interesting thing. Numbers 22-32 is the first time in all of Scripture that the word perverse is used. And it is when the angel Lord says to Balaam, Because thy way is perverse before me. The next time you find in the scriptures, Deuteronomy 32.5, the Bible says they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of the children. They are perverse and crooked generation. It says they are a perverse and crooked generation. 1 Samuel 20.30 says, And Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, Thou son of, a, of the perverse and rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse of thine own confusion, and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? So here's, so the first, you know, the next two times we see the word perverse, it's associated with this word crooked, and it's associated with this word rebellion. Job 9.20 says, 
If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. So now we see it, it's contrasted, the word perfect is contrasted with the word perverse. Uh, Proverbs 4.24 says, put away from me a forward mouth. The word forward means contrary or wayward. He says, put away from me a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from me. Are you starting to see what the word means? It means to be crooked. It means to be forward or contrary or wayward. It means to be rebellious. Proverbs 14 2 says, He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his way despises them. So if you walk with the Lord, you're upright. The opposite is perverse. Uh, Proverbs 17 20, He that hath a forward heart findeth no good, and he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. So you see the connection between perverse and forward. Proverbs 19.1 Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity, talking about someone who has character, someone who is honest, than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Do you see the, the contrast? You can be upright or you can be perverse. You can be upright or you can be perverse. The word perverse is associated with crooked, rebellious. So do you understand how it's not the same connotation as what we would think the word is? The Bible tells us... No, let me read a few more. Uh, uh, let's see. Proverbs 26. I don't know if I read this one. No, yeah, I did. Uh, look, look at this one. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved, but he that is perverse in his way shall uh, fall at once. That's Proverbs 28, 18. Uh, Acts 20:30 says... Uh, well, actually, you know what? Uh, Philippians 2:15, That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the mind of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So you see, the, the word perverse is a associated with crooked. You ever heard of someone being, you know, a, a, a straight shooter? Someone who's honest? Someone who has integrity? Perverse is the opposite of that. It's someone who's not honest. Someone who's not. Someone who's crooked. Someone who's rebellious. The Bible says, if, you, if you're there in Numbers 23-32, the angel Lord said, I went out to withstand thee because thy way is perverse. Or we could say, thy way is rebellious. Or we could say, thy way The problem with Balaam was that his mind was wrong. He was doing, now here's the interesting thing. Balaam was doing what God told him to do. God said go. So he went. But you know that doing the right thing, but with the wrong attitude is still wrong. Or doing what you believe is right, following what God, is still wrong. So you see that his mind was perverse. His mind was incorrect. His mind, he was trying to do something that was wrong. He was not being honest in his heart. Look at verse 33. And as the ass saw me and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her life. So the angel Lord says, look, I was going to kill you and keep the donkey alive. You owe that donkey your life. Balaam's mind was wrong. But I also want you to see, not only was Balaam's mind wrong, well, you know, let's keep reading. Look at verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Notice what he says. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. He says, I'll go back if you want me to. Notice verse 35. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that Thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the prince of the Balaam. You know, what we can take from this verse is that Balaam was going to go there, but he was going to say what he wanted to say. 
And God wanted to make sure that he was going to do the right thing. See, his mind was rebellious. His mind in his heart, he was going to do something opposite of what God said. Verse 36, And then Balak heard that Balaam was come. He went out to meet him unto the city of Moab, which is in the border of Arden, which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to, to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say? anything, the word that God put into my mouth, that shall I speak. So Balaam says to Balak, he says, look, I'm here, but I'm here to tell you that I can only say what God wants me to say. Verse 39. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto uh, Kerjath Huzah. And Balak offered oxen and sheep, and sent to Balaam, and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow, that Balak took Balaam, and brought him up into a high place of Balaam, that, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. Now in verse 20, in chapter 23, here's what we see. We see three different times Balaam going to a mountain, overseeing the people, He performs a sacrifice, and he attempts to curse the people. Look at verse 1 and verse 23. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen, and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balak offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go, peradventure the Lord will come to meet me. And whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place... Look at verse 4. And God met Balaam. And he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put the word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return to Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. Now notice what he says. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his earned offerings, he and the princes of Moab, and he took up his parable, and said, Balak the king of Moab hath brought me forth to Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come and curse me, Jacob, and come to by Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? You see that? Here's what's interesting. Balaam goes to curse the children of Israel, and he comes back to Balak, and here's what he says. He says, well, how can I curse someone that God has a curse? He said, how can I put a curse on someone that God, that God has blessed? Notice verse 8. Or how shall I defy whom the Lord has not defiled? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. So what can we learn from this? Here's what you can learn. No matter what this world does, if God wants to put a blessing on you, no one can change that. It's very interesting. You know, the story reminds me of, do you remember the story of Elijah? Remember when Elijah went up to to the mountain with the the priest, you know, with the 400 prophets of Baal? And they were going to have that showdown where you pray to your gods, I'll pray to my God, the first God, to bring fire down. You know, if if you read that story, those 400 prophets of Baal, they thought that they could bring fire down. And you know, I'm sure any other day they could have. Because the Bible tells us Satan has power to do those things. And they sat there and prayed. They began to cut themselves. I mean, they were, they were all bloodied and they're doing all these things and nothing happened that day. Now here's the thing. You say, well, well, and they fully expected it to be able to happen. And let me tell you something. The devil and the demons, they have powers. You read the story of, of, of Moses. Remember when Moses was doing those miracles? And remember the, the, the magicians of Egypt? They're doing the same miracles. Right with Moses. Why? Because Satan has power. You know, and I imagine that that day, on that day when Elijah put forth that thing there, you know, I imagine that, that, that those, those, those 400 
prophets, they set up their altar, they begin their little worship service, they begin to praise, and they're getting in their spirit, and they begin to, and I imagine that Satan, you know, he starts getting ready, and he's like, mm-hmm, alright, I'm gonna, you know, and he, and he, he gets a fireball ready, you know what I mean, like he gets it already, and he's just ready to send it out, and that day God says, hey listen, not today. He could have done it any other day, but he said, not this day. Those guys were expecting fire to come down. And I'm just here to tell you, God is in control of everything. God is sovereign. Anything that happens in my life or in your life, it's filtered through God. And if you say, well, you don't understand, Pastor, because I thought I'd come to church, and I thought I'd go out My family thinks I'm crazy. They're cursing my name. They're saying I'm insane. They're saying I'm a I mean, I'm just here to tell you, they can say what they want. If God has His blessing on your life, no one can curse you. No one can touch you. Satan has to get permission to come close to you. That's a great blessing. He says, look, I can't, def- I can't curse these people. Said, I can't bring a curse upon them. God hasn't cursed them. Balak says, well, let's, let's try it over here. So they go to another mountain. They say, well, maybe you can curse them over here. I like what he says, uh, verse 19, because Balaam, of course, tries. And in verse 19, he comes back and he says, God is not the man that he should lie. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know, last time when God said I couldn't curse them, you know what he said this time? I can't curse them. <laughs> He said, God is not the man that he should die, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and he shall not do it, or hath he spoken, and he shall not make it good? He says, look, I can't do it. And three different times, Balaam tries to curse the people. Okay? And he's not, he's not able to do it. Now, you would ask yourself, well, why is it that Balaam is trying so hard? Why is it that he's trying so hard? Here's what you gotta understand. Number one, we said Balaam's mind was wrong. But number two, here's what you gotta understand. Balaam's motives were wrong. See, there's a reason why he wants to do this so bad. You say, what is that reason? I don't know, you might have missed it. But go back to Numbers 23. and I'm sorry, Numbers 22. Look at verse number 7. Did, did, you, did you catch this when we read it? Numbers 22, 7. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed, they're going to Balaam, notice, with the rewards. You see that? with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balaam. See, when they came to Balaam, they came with cash. They came with money. And they said, hey, listen, Balaam, we want you to curse God's people. And here's what we're going to give you. See, Balaam's motivation, you know what he was motivated by? Money. You know what he was motivated by? Gain. The Bible makes this very clear. Go to First Peter. I'm sorry, Second Peter. In your New Testament, there, Second Peter, chapter number two. Second Peter, chapter number two. Look at verse number fifteen. Second Peter, chapter number two, and verse number fifteen. The Bible says in Second Peter, towards the end of your uh, New Testament, there, Second Peter, chapter number two, and verse fifteen. It says, "Which have forsaken the right way." Well, actually, look at verse fourteen. We'll get it a little in its context. Having eyes full of adultery. And that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, in heart they have exercised the covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way, and are gone astray, following in the way of Balaam. Is that who we're talking about? Notice, following in the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the what? Wages of unrighteousness. Do you see that? 
He loved the wages, the wages of a righteousness. Go to Jude. Jude, right before the book of Revelation. You got the book of Jude. It's one chapter. Look at Jude, verse number 11. Jude, just one chapter. Right before the book of Revelation. Look at Jude, chapter number 11. The Bible says, Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily. Do you see that? They have ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Do you see that? For what? For reward. And perish in the gainsaying of Corey. See, what you've got to understand is this. His motivation for cursing the children of Israel was that he was greedy. His motivation was that he wanted money. Now, take, take your Bibles and go to, go to second, second Timothy, real quickly. Second Timothy. We've seen these verses before, but let me show them to you again. Second Timothy. So, number one, his mind was wrong. Okay? And his mind was not straight. He did not, he was not interested in the things of God. He had one thing, his motivation, which was money. We talked about it this morning. We're talk, remember this morning we were talking about the love of money is the root of all evil. And these preachers, let me tell you something. Balaam was one of these false prophets. He was motivated by money. And he was willing to say anything. He was willing to do anything. He was willing to, to, to do what he had to do. Because he wanted to get that money. He was greedy. Are you there in Second Timothy chapter 4? Look at verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Notice what the Bible says. Preach the word. Be instant. In season, out of season. He said preach the word, whether it's popular or not. He said in season, out of season. He says reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all on suffering and doctrine. Now notice verse 3. For the time will come. Now, Paul is saying the time will come. Let me tell you something. The time is here. This is the time that he's referring to. 2013. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You see that word doctrine? When we were talking about that this morning? But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You know what a fable is? It's a story. Something made up. But watch thou in all things, endure uh, afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. See, the Bible tells us that there will come a day, and by the way, we're living in it, a day when people do not want sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the Bible. They don't want to be told they're wrong. They don't want to be told that your experience you went through. They don't want to go through any of that. There come, we are living in a day when people, they want to be lied to. People want to come to church and be told stories. And you know that if you had a pastor who was interested in money, it would be very... You know, if I was interested in just getting money, you know that I would not preach sermons like I preached this morning. You understand what I'm saying? We would not preach doctrinal sermons at Mary Baptist Church. Because doctrine divides. Remember that? But see, when we're not interested in money, then we're interested in the Word of God. But here's what happens. Preachers who are motivated by money, they just lie. Or they'll just do what they got to do. And that's what Balaam was doing. Balaam was just saying, you know, I'll do whatever I need to do as long as I get paid. He said, I'll try to curse them on this mountain. And I'll try to curse them here. And I'll try to... And every time God said, no, no, no. But let me tell you something. He's not giving up because his motivation was wrong. And we need to realize that our motivation has to be truth. We ought to love truth. We ought to love the Word of God. But even as preachers, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to offend someone. Because if I offend them and they leave, then they might not come any of the opportunity. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. The motivation, and, and when you live in a society when people want to be lied to, it's easy. You know that I don't have to preach specific sermons? You know that I could preach seven weeks on Sunday morning on love and no one would get offended? 
And then after that, I'll just preach seven weeks on contentment. And no one will be offended. And then after that, I'll just preach seven weeks on, on, on compassion. And no one will be offended. And after that, I'll preach seven weeks on, on joy. And no one will be offended. And look, I'm not against it. I'll preach a sermon on contentment. And I'll preach a sermon on compassion. And I'll preach on joy. But every once in a while, we got to preach doctrinal things. And when, and when people don't, you say, how do I know if someone's a good preacher? When, if you want to know who's a good preacher or a bad preacher, don't listen to what they say, but listen to what they won't say. That's how you know. Because it's easy to say Jesus loves you. But it's, it's hard to say the things that might offend people. But see, what we need is doctrine. He says there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. Balaam was motivated by money. So we saw number one, Balaam's mind was wrong. We saw number two, Balaam's motivation was wrong. Number three, I just want you to see this quickly. Go back to Numbers 24. I want you to see Balaam's mediation was wrong. Are you there? Uh, go, go to Numbers 24. Numbers chapter number 24. Look at verse number uh, 1. Numbers 24 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 1. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. Now, to skip down to verse number 10, because for the next verses he just blesses them again. And in verse 10, notice, And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam. And he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. He said, look, I called the out here to curse them, and you keep blessing them. Look at verse 11. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers which thou sendest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. He said, he said didn't I tell you that I wasn't going to be able to do anything against God allowed me to? Like, what are you upset about? But here, look at verse 14. And now. See, see here's what, because here, remember, Balaam is motivated, right? He wants that money. He wants that promotion. And he says, look, I can't curse them. God won't let me. And you know, here's the plan of the devil. If God can't destroy you from without, you know what he'll do? He'll try to destroy you from within. Look what he says, verse 14. He says, and now, behold, I go unto my people. He said, forget about this whole cursing them thing. It's not working. He said, come therefore. And I will, make note of this word, advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. So here's what Balaam says. He says, look, obviously God's not going to let us curse him. I've tried three times. It's not working. I told you that I couldn't do, because he, he was trying. He was gonna, he'd get up there and he's going to do a, a curse and God would say, no, not today, Balaam. And he's like, ah, I can't do it. God won't let me. He says, but you know what? Tell you what we'll do. Let's forget this whole cursing thing. Because you're not going to be able to beat them from the outside anyway. Why don't you do this, Balak? Come with me. Let's go down into Israel. Here's what he said. I will advertise you to them. And you know what that word advertise means? He said, I'm going to promote you to them. He said, I'm going to sell you to them. You know what Balaam, his great idea was? He said, I'm going to be the mediator between God's people and the world. He said, I'm going to unite the world with God's people. Look at what happened. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 25. 
And Israel abode in Shittim. And the people began to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, lowercase, lowercase g. Do you see that? And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. So they're committing whoredoms. They're sacrificing to the gods of Moab. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, that's a false god. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. See, what Balaam did, he said, if we can't beat them from the outside, let's beat them from the inside. Go to John 17, real quickly. John 17. We're almost done. John 17. Look at verse 14. John 17, verse 14. I just want you to see this. The Bible says in John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 17, and verse number 14. He says, I have given them thy word. I'll, I'll wait for you to get there because I want you to see it. John 17, verse 14. He says, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them. Notice, because they are not of the world. Do you understand that when you got saved, you are no longer of this world? When you got saved, you no longer become, belong to this place. And the Bible says, The world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, sometimes people get an idea. They say, well, we're not of the world. So let's go, you know, rent, you know, let's go purchase some land in Texas somewhere, and let's go start some, you know, some, some, you know, let's build some walls, and we'll get our own community. Let's get a comp- compound going. Okay? That's not the right thing either, because look at verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, He said, I'm not asking for you to take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. See, there's a difference between you and the world. You know, we we saw it last week, so I won't take you there. But we saw that in Corinthians where it talks about, you know, what fellowship have light with darkness. The Bible said we are to to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And see, the thing that will destroy my Christian walk and your Christian walk, the thing that will destroy this church and any church, is not necessarily when the world attacks us. Because when the world attacks us from the outside, that just motivates us. When somebody from the outside says, ah, that church, I was talking to the guys, you know, uh, just before the service, when we started this church, we had all sorts of preachers that were attacking us from the outside. And they were saying, ah, that church never going to do anything. Ah, that church, we're, never, we're not going to support that church. And that's not, they weren't going to, look, when people attack us from the outside, that doesn't hurt us. That just motivates us, you know what I mean? That just gets us like, well, you'll see, you know. But when, what will destroy us is from the inside, if we allow the world in the inside. See, we've got to keep a clear difference between us and the world. We have to keep a clear, because see, Balaam's problem was his mind was wrong, yes, his motivation was wrong, yes, but the worst thing that he did in his life was his mediation between God's people and the world's people. And by the way, this is why at Verity Baptist Church we don't believe in mis- mixing God's house with the world. That's why you'll never come to Verity Baptist Church and hear Christian rock music. Because we're not going to take the world's rock music and put Christian words to it, quote-unquote. And that's what Balaam was doing. He was advertising the world to God's people. We're not going to have Christian rock. We're not going to have Christian rap. We're not going to have you know, Christian uh, uh, country or whatever. We're not going to bring in the false Bibles. We're not going to bring in the water preaching. We're going to keep, when, when you come in, you know what, I, I love it when, when, and I don't know if they say it mockingly, I'm not sure, but I love it when visitors come to our church, and, they, and, and they, they, I've, I've had multiple visitors say to me, man, when I walk into your church, it's like Little House on the Prairie. They'll say like, you know, here's what they're saying, because Little House on the Prairie, they had issues too. But here's what they're saying. This place is different than out there. This place is different than the world. 
That's how it should be. This is not like, you know, churches today, you walk in, the lights are off, the spotlight's on. It's like you're walking into a rock concert. That's not different than the world. It's like you're walking into a bar. That's not different than the world. We ought not be mediating between God's people and the world. There ought to be a clear difference. God has called us to be different, to be holy, to be separated, to be a peculiar people. Balaam's problem was his mind was wrong, his problem was his motives were wrong, but his problem was his mediation was wrong. Go back to Joshua 13. We're done right here. Joshua 13. Look what the Bible says. You know what ended up getting, getting Balaam eventually? Joshua 13. Look at verse 22. Joshua 13, verse 22. Look what the Bible says. Balaam also, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, did the children of Israel slay with the sword, make note of these two words, among them that were slain by them. You know why Balaam ended up dying? It's because he was with the wrong crowd. He was with the Amorites. And when the children of Israel came and destroyed them, and Balaam was with them, they just went ahead and destroyed him too. See, having the wrong connections with the world, having the wrong friendships with the world, having the wrong relationship with the world, is going to destroy you. It physically destroyed Balaam. He died among the enemies of the Israelites. Why? Because he was with them. And in our Christian lives, we've got to just make it a point. 